Hi, and welcome to My Gaming Academia, a podcast where we discuss gaming as it relates to psychology and sociology. My name is Reza, aka Sprint Speed. I'm Javon, aka Jay Stoney. And I'm Eric, aka Hysteric. And today's episode is talking to non gamers about gaming. So we've all, when I say we, I'm talking about people that game, play video games a lot, and or have it involved in some capacity in their profession or livelihood. We've all had these conversations with folks that are not as familiar in with the gaming space, with people in the gaming space, with like behaviors and stuff. But we wanted to take a step, take the day to kind of talk about how we approach the communication of gaming ideologies and how that's often received in a sociological context from people who don't have a lot of exposure to a lot of like hardcore gameplay or modern gaming as it exists in the form of esports or really complex high budget triple A value games. Because oftentimes there there can be some miscommunication, some misunderstanding about kind of what's accepted. And then there's been in the media for decades, there's been a lot of stereotyping around kind of the gaming cultures and there's been a lot of uh, basically people just aren't really aware a lot of times of what gaming really is in its modern form if they're not really exposed to it on a daily basis. So it's interesting to kind of take a look at how often those ideas are communicated and how we can best approach them so that everybody is on the same page. And if you're talking to somebody who's not very familiar with gaming, how you can maybe take some of this information and then expand on ideas in a very clear way to somebody who's not familiar. Now, a lot of times the people's framing around what video games are and what they constitute comes from kind of their first exposure to it and basically when they decided that they didn't really want to continue pursuing gaming. So when you look at older generations in particular, a lot of times this means that their only real knowledge of gaming culture and what playing video games really means is in a context of when they might have been in elementary school or in high school where people were only really playing in arcades or maybe the most complex game out was something like Pong or Pac-Man or maybe a Super Mario Bros. or something of that nature, uh, relatively basic. But... It obviously the entire gaming industry and genre has really exploded a lot. So there is, I find there is definitely a lot of times a bridge that kind of needs to be built by both parties to really communicate to somebody like how there can be a huge competitive gaming circuit that hundreds of thousands of people are watching. Yeah, I think it's very interesting in the ways in which, like through my experiences, trying to describe uh, the current like gaming landscape uh i think a recent example for me is describing what minecraft was to a parent and it's like yeah my kid keeps playing minecraft and i don't know what they're doing but they're always laughing and giggling with their friends and i don't i i think they're okay and i'm just like yeah minecraft is a relatively like safe safe game and and how i describe minecraft is just like yeah it's it's essentially just legos Right, just in a virtual environment, because the basis of Minecraft is you take a block to combine with other blocks, and you use tools to make other blocks into like you know into these structures. And so it's essentially just like you know building with Legos, 
where you take a block or sets of blocks to build something else uh, with them. Uh, and once I said that, it, it kind of clicked for them. And I, it reminds me of this uh, concept that I kind of came across in graduate school, thanks to a lot of Alana uh, Gershon with uh, her book, The Breakup 2.0. Not her concept, but it's the concept of remediation, which is essentially saying that we uh, understand like our communicative technologies uh, through like other past media, for example, okay. uh, like on Twitter. Right when you get like a notification on Twitter, your yeah. icon is like a little envelope, right? And so, what is that yeah, envelope? Like the, the bell for notifications and the envelope for DM kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, right. Like these things are not—they uh, just didn't occur, right? Someone thought about, okay, how can we best signal what a notification is supposed to to be, right? If it was like a star or something. Would that immediately trigger us to think, oh, we got a notification? Like, what does that star mean? Um, and it could mean a message, right? But when you're thinking about trying to uh, just get a basis of, like, people um, understanding one kind of communicative technology from another, it's sometimes helpful to just use, like, what we've already had, right, to symbolize something else, even if it is new. Like, uh Legos is essentially Minecraft, and, and you can think about other video games where it's just like, oh yeah, Forza. Forza is essentially just playing with your your Hot Wheels cars, right? I mean, I'm I'm it's in. <laughs> or jest. you can play Hot Wheels Unlimited. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, I'm saying it in, in jest, right? But uh-huh. these are just a, a nice way uh, to think through, uh, uh, like these explanations when you're explaining games. Like, how would you? Uh, explain what Fortnite is to, to someone since that's definitely been in the public eye for quite some time. Yeah. And even the way that they defined Fortnite by they, I mean, Epic games, the developer it's described as battle Royale, which that term to my understanding comes from an older movie where this concept appears of like a hundred people on an Island and they have to like fight each other to see who's the sole survivor. But right, like I, that, that yeah. completely makes you know makes sense, right? <clears throat> but I I definitely agree. A lot of times in my experience, when I'm talking to somebody <clears throat> and they just don't quite, they're just not exposed to the idea of like why would a hundred thousand people watch somebody play a video game? In their experience, watching somebody play a video game is sitting there seeing somebody like play pong, <clears throat> which. Pong, I'm sure, can be a competitive game, and I'm sure there are competitions for it. But it doesn't. T- I don't think it tends to build the level of like strategic excitement, or <clears throat> there's not as many outplays and like out skills that can be done when you compare it to something like CS:GO, where somebody pops off and you see Simple get like four headshots in a row or something. So in, in those contexts, I always frame it as, and you see this joke <clears throat> very commonly on the internet and forms of memes and things. But uh, if you think of the concept of like watching the NFL or watching the NBA, you are just watching somebody play a game at, in, at its core. It's just that the, the things that the ways that these people can control themselves is at such a capacity beyond what you can do with your fingers or with your body. 
it just makes it really exciting. And that usually is a very easily translatable thing in the concept of esports for people to grasp. Yeah, I completely um, agree with you on that. I think there's something um, to be said when you, we as the the like the in crowd, the folks that are like steeped into this environment can find ways in which to describe uh, our current experiences to someone else, right? Though rather difficult because in some ways you kind of have to think about, okay, what are some other forms of interactions or, or games that are simple enough and probably not even simple enough, but just uh, more publicly aware for an older gener- or older crowd, older generation, that if I was to say, oh yeah, this game is like Pac-Man, for example, right? Because uh, I would assume that, okay, yeah, Pac-Man's been around for a while, and, you know, the goal of Pac-Man is to, like, eat up all, like, the the different dots and, like, these cherries and stuff like that, but avoid, like, the ghosts at all costs, right? If we have another game that's similar to that structure, then I think that is what I'll use for that. I think it's also um, very interesting to talk to games about talked about games with older generations because sometimes the language that they use to describe it is kind of um like standoffish right um and this is not new right like if you were to be close to the tv right uh then it's just like get back from the tv otherwise it will like rot your brain or something like that like have you all experienced what we call like these like technological deterministic kind of language yeah, definitely. It's a lot of video games will rot your brain. Oh, all you do because you play video games all day is just you just sit there. And so just sitting in one place is bad for your health, that kind of stuff. Now, I've even gotten stuff about how it's like, oh, well, you know, technology emits like this radiation and everything. And so you sitting in front of screens all day and this and uh, this and this. But I'm uh, but the irony of that is that uh, I'm a software engineer for my profession and so (laughs) i i'm like no one ever tells me this when they see me sitting all day in front of a computer to make money so why the fuck are you telling me this for my games you know like (laughs) yeah like look if this is really dangerous you're already screwed either way but pretty much pretty much like i might as well beat those like you know those um those sulfur miners out in like i think it's japan (laughs) or something where it's like yeah it's like the sulfur is like our income for the, for the village, but and we're gonna die in, at like age thirty because we're inhaling the fumes. But you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> oh my god! Or like mining coal. It's like you're gonna get the black hand instead of the black lung. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those uh, those kind of things. I mean, like there are certain things that are definitely definitely real, like you know, carpal tunnel and those kind of things. Those are definitely legitimate no, concerns, and uh, but. Again, that it's like when people are worried about something like carpal tunnel, they tell me that when it's like they're both at work and in like, you know, in reality, they're kind of just like, oh, if you're using a mouse all day, just, you know, make sure you got the proper like equipment to do this and this and this. Yeah. But again, stretch no, those tendons every once in a while. Yeah. But again, with like, with stuff like the radiation and this and uh, this. Like, and, and here's a fun thing, actually, uh, from my optometrist, the, um, the thing about like looking at screens is that like, as long as you're taking the time to like look away at a distance and like not just stare at the, at like the close range screen, like all the time, if you like are looking at things in the distance every now and then, and you're maybe staring at your computer screen in like good lighting, even late at night your eyes will probably be fine uh it, what actually strains your eyes is looking at your screen 
when it's like a bright screen and it's like dark environment. So like staring at your phone while you're in bed with all the lights turned off, like that will fuck your eyes. But you know, but that's yeah. a, no, but that's a that's not a gaming thing. That's just a screen thing. It's, it's more like, a contrast to the brightness, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like because the brightness strains your eyes and all that. But uh, yeah, point being is that these a lot of this technological deterministic language also tends to feed these negative like stereotypical portrayals that we often see as well you know like how the gaming is very often like a kid's hobby or people who play games are usually irresponsible male kind of a degenerate living in their parents basement kind of bs uh overweight or whatever or like they're ragers who like scream at the mic and everything now something kind of like Thor in Endgame that that one scene, you know? Hey, yeah, where oh, he's yeah. it's like the entire concept is Thor has fallen from grace and he's like a degenerate cave dweller uh, and has no positive, I guess, contribution to society, and that he's like basically dropped the ball on his potential i guess um yeah and being a quote-unquote productive member of society and contributing yeah so it's kind of just like hey what the hell but even even then like also for like comedy bits uh there is a youtube comedian uh trevor wallace he has a video on like he has a video on like g fuel and to quote that video video games are a real career path and but even in that now even with that when he's like you know making that joke he just he He's parodying a lot of how the no, a lot of the stereotypes that the gamers are about, like they're just like screaming. And it's like, get off the Wi-Fi! I'm lagging. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so it's it's this kind it's this kind of like perpetuation about the stereotypes and everything. So you, uh, so in, in some ways, I guess it kind of feels like. Like when you compare it to like, you know, maybe like even so like an esports athlete, even though like esports and like gaming in general has becoming is becoming more and more of an accepted hobby over the years. And when you compare like how people probably view like the esports athletes versus um, you know, traditional professional athletes, you know, like people kind of see traditional professional athletes as like these very driven, very hardworking. It's like, oh, yeah, they like they sacrificed a lot for a goal doing this and this. But then they look at a game and it's like, oh. They're just good at video games. They're, no, they just play play around. They don't do anything. They don't add anything. It's kind of like, uh, well, I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the the Fortnite scene, like, I, I found it funny and I enjoyed it with a caveat of, like, I did, I did eye roll a bit for the reasons you mentioned. It's a lot of times when it comes to things like stereotyping these concepts, it's it's more that that's kind of always the only representation of uh people playing video games in in media um because those i mean that type of individual and that person does like exist out there in gaming but yeah just kind of the fact that that's kind of always how a lot of things are framed um does does get tiring after a little while and i do want to uh really quick touch on something that we we mentioned briefly earlier in equating playing video games and the effect it has on the brain to watching TV. And I do want to make a note that it is functionally different because television and movies are more passive mediums, at least in the way that most people consume them. Like you can, if you're like a film director, you might really critically analyze each scene and shot, but like 95% of Americans and people around the world, I imagine, 
when they're consuming like TV or movies, it's a one way feedback loop where they are just passively kind of absorbing stuff. Whereas video games are actively challenging your brain to solve puzzles. They're testing your reflexes. They're testing your aim and your precision of your dexterity. So um, it is the old adage of like, it's going to rot your brain like TV or something. Video games are necessarily a lot more engaging than a lot, a lot of traditional mediums. And for that reason, I, I find them incredibly cool and unique because there's not a lot of other things out there that can do that. But sorry to derail. I just want to kind of throw that in there a bit, but I do think there has been an increasing amount of kind of broader representation of gaming in media slowly but surely. So um, I think, for instance, when Fortnite really blew up in 2018, that gave people a lot more exposure to kind of the the positive side of high-end gaming. And I say high-end to mean people that are like hardcore into a lot of the systems. Uh, and so you, you'd see people like Jimmy Fallon... or Jimmy Fallon host Ninja and other gaming celebrities. I think he had like Booga on who won the Fortnite world championship in 2018 as well. Um, and they kind of were able to kind of shed a bit of a broader and clearer light on like, Hey, this is a really competitive endeavor and it's an activity that is widely popular and beloved by, I guess, millions of people. So I think that that narrative is slowly changing over time. I believe so uh, as well. I mean, I know that is focused on, you know, talking about games to non-gamers, but I think your example of the way in which, you know, Jimmy Fallon definitely has a particular, you know, age demographic for the show and to have Ninja as an example of like what video games can uh, essentially send you to do or or to become, especially in terms of profession. I think it's, quite profound in the ways in which, you know, even, I don't want to make this political, but I remember when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, was playing, like, Among Us with, with like, a... Oh, yeah, a <laughs> with, bunch with, of streamers. With, with a bunch of streamers. And I did watch the stream, and it was, of course, it, for me, uh, as a sidebar, it was funny where uh, Ihan uh, Omar was, like... <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> was the imposter, but she didn't want to kill anyone. <laughs> yeah. she, she, didn't, she didn't want to kill anyone. And I was like, that is so funny. So she got booted out because AOC was just like, I know who the imposter is. It's Ihan because no one's dying. <laughs> yeah, it was also funny because in that stream, nobody wanted to like vote out AOC or Ilhan Omar. And so, like, if they knew they were imposter, they were just like looking back and forth, like, uh, uh, did we just kick out like a U.S. congressman? Yeah, like, like, what is that signal? But of course, more than likely, the folks that were, were watching that will be in like this, uh, like this younger demographic. But I think. Uh, this ties back into just the way in which gaming is now, you know, very much in the forefront in a, in a lot of ways where even my own like mother uh, would definitely notice or at least think through or be able to say a few things related to. Yeah, I've, I heard about like this kid winning this amount of money. I think she sent me a text years ago 
when someone, I think it was a Fortnite tournament, and that kid won like buku amount of money or something like that. Like, did yeah, you hear Buga. about this? Uh, did you know that games can get you this amount of money? And I'm just like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, what he won as an individual is a lot. But if you're talking about like team based stuff, I'm like, it's not, it's not that much. Like, if you know about Dota, like they, <laughs> oh yeah, they win buckets of money, right? Mm, as a Dota's team. one of the. <laughs> prime examples of like the top heavy but incredibly lucrative if you're in that number one team in the world right and it's so it's interesting to see how uh gaming has gone from like this very much like sub community of folks to really being in the forefront of popular media and to see like the ways in which that is unfolding, right? Like related to politics uh, in, in this way, because games has always been political, but uh, but in this way in which like games are utilized as a way to bridge conversation, right? The whole, you know, the whole like AOC, you know, with Twitch streamers kind of thing. And then you also have Ninja on, uh, on Jimmy Fallon. And you, you also have like, you know, other like gaming, like, folks being recognized and and in ways that you just never seen before i mean what wasn't ninja like on like the cover of some like prominent magazine i forget the name of it um but well he was on espn yeah the cover of espn for yeah and one issue. Um, espn i think was one of the first kind of networks well nationally recognized networks to actually give gaming like a like an actual spot Right. Yeah. Like, you know, they were the first ones to like actually fully, you know, live stream an entire like tournament. Right. When many other stations were not. They give it a lot of like serious coverage. Right. It, it wasn't just like, oh, OK, we're just going to shoot this one thing and then that was it. And we see this in other ways. I remember there was on the CW. It was, like, I think, Race to the Cup or something or something like that. But it was about Mortal Kombat. Um, and that was very interesting, but yes, like the CW recorded like folks, uh, like esports folks, you know, attempting to play in like the Mortal Kombat like X tournament, and it was like a little like TV uh-huh. show. It was like I think six or eight episodes. They even show one of the uh, players on a date. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, this is this is interesting. Like it, it, it was definitely that's his own conversation. It's warranted with his own conversation. But I think that I'm excited to see the ways in which uh, the gaming media landscape and these ways that we think about games be in like these different kinds of conversations that we haven't seen uh, before. And I think that's is that's exciting. But that doesn't, of course, mean that you're still going to always have folks who are just like, nah, I don't see the purpose of these games like that. They're making money which makes no sense to me stuff like that That right but like in some ways it's also because i feel like again kind of back to stereotypical portrayals to some effect it's also because i think that in some effect people just have this image of what they think like games are no or like gaming is and it's like gaming is really like a actually very broad thing like honestly like i i would venture to even say something like wordle would be something like a game like, I mean, the portal is a game, and since it's on a digital platform, it's a video yeah. game. Like, to some, uh, and so people don't often think that or equate that. And, and you know, chess 
is a game and chess is very well respected but now that it's also you're able to also play chess on a digital medium i mean there are literally even like video game ports basically of chess so it's kind of just like video games are kind of just like you know it, it it's just a game that you play on a digital platform but like and in, in a sense like you know, right like reza you mentioned before about how uh things like movies and TV shows are very passive medium, right? And how video games are very engaging. And so kind of like relating back to this, back to the idea of like uh, the remediation thing. If you think about chess and you're like, oh, that is respectable. Literally someone is basically like a video game. is just like, if you were able to pull certain things out of a video game, just put in real life, it would basically be the equivalence of chess in a sense, in terms of how it's working your brain. So, uh, you know, when people play chess, on the computer online, like there was that whole bit where, you know, chess got really big and like there was a bunch of these chess like grandmasters that were streaming playing chess online. They're playing a video game technically. They're streaming on a video game platform even. And they're playing <laughs> yeah. a game. But yeah. they are considered professionals and like these high, you know, intellect members of society and things like that because of the way that their brain has to actively engage with this quote unquote gaming experience. And so lots of things are games and uh, lots of things can be in a video game form and et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And again, that kind of comes back to the idea of the um, remediation in. So if we were to have a topic where, and I know both of you guys have probably been through this scenario, but so for instance, if someone were to walk up to you and it's like maybe somebody that you're, friendly with and you have like kind of a polite amicable relationship but you don't know each other very well but you do want to like be on good terms they came up to you and said so i hear you do a lot of gaming what's that all about what do you guys think is a good way to approach that kind of question in a way that's informative acknowledging that like they're kind of being politely respectful but not just doesn't don't really understand that topic i mean as a uh as a resident video game researcher, I get this question posed to me not often because most of the folks that are talking to me um, kind of already are invested in the gaming landscape. I may have shared this before, and I'll get to your question, Reza, but I may have shared this before in the podcast, but I uh-huh. remember when I was at IU and I was showing some people around because they were trying to find uh, the media school building, and I was like showing like this, I assume husband and wife, right? And I was showing them like where the where the building was. So I was walking with them, and they asked me what I did, and I was like, oh, "I'm a PhD student in informatics." And they was like, "Oh, informatics! I heard about that school. It's really nice. It's really growing. What do you do there?" It's like, "Oh, I study video games." And the husband was like, "Video games, man! They make you. They allow you to study anything up here." Uh, 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 uh. And I was just like. The building's right there, and I walked off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so in that moment, there was no conversation. I was just like, "The building's right there. Have a good day," and I walked off. I was like, "Study anything, like whatever." But mm-hmm. um, to address your question, oh, like video games, what is that all about? Well, I'll start kind of my almost kind of broad and kind of general. I'll kind of start with what the landscape kind of is, you know. I know a few of the numbers. I'll say that in the U.S. population, like pretty much it's 50-50 split between, you know, uh, men and women who, who play games. Um, there are the 
industry has been growing. It's worth more than the film industry has been for quite some time. And it is a worldwide phenomenon where in which it's very international. You have like these competitions in which literally thousands upon thousands of people go just to play in these competitive tournaments. And typically sometimes when you give like numbers like that, and if you also justify those numbers with like some monetary kind of like, it's like, uh, like evaluation to it as well. It gets the head like turning with some folks which is like, wow, I didn't know there was so much involved, right? Because you can easily say, oh yeah, like there's tournaments based around this video game where if you're on a team and if you win, you can essentially win like almost like like $10 million, right? Uh, and they say, really? It, it, so it's stuff like that. And of course, I would love to touch upon like the things that really interest me, which is like, yeah, but you can also study race and gender and sex. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah I, I tempered that a little bit by just starting very, very broad first. And then I wait for that person to see if they have any other questions. And then that's when I would do a deeper dive into their question. Personally, I think like the part of the problem with that a bit is that then I feel like people are more hung up on the concept of like, like when we're like, oh yeah, you can, you know, when you play this game or like the professionals in this scene of this game play and like make this much money on a tournament, this is this. People are more hung up about like, oh wow, the money and everything. But again, gaming is very much more, I think, more than the money and I feel like that kind of presentation tends to lean in, in more of like, oh, you should respect gaming because this is the money it brings in. But again, the center focus there is the money, not the games. And I feel like that's kind of the issue with the way that people see these games. Because like, in a way, right, you you think about it in a sense of like, just as a, as just not like as ourselves as a gamer, when we look at uh, how things have been happening with like, the landscape of how games are sold and uh, marketed or like promised and developed and everything with battle pass or like uh, season passes or the whole, Oh, it very much looks like this game is being sold like half baked. And then they're going to send patches out and everything like that because corporate people are just trying to make a bottom line. It's like, because they only see the money. They don't see what gaming is as an experience as a sort of uh culture and experience that people have and they're just focused on the dollar and the bottom line and i feel like that concept of like oh well you know because you can make so much money off of this and do all these like grandeur things that are very monetized that puts mm-hmm. people's emphasis and interest <clears throat> in gaming and not as a game it, it just as a business venture and that kind of like yeah like there should be respect for the activity independent of just kind of what you can get out of it right because again someone looks like at something like chess or basketball or baseball or any of those other like professional things and it's just like oh yeah if you're if you're doing that even if it's not for money it's kind of like oh yeah that's cool but then he's like oh you play games for fun i literally yeah. had a former co-worker like give me shit because all they because they did what they did every weekend was they went out and drank and they're like what no what do you do all weekend like you just sit at home play your video games and i'm like Yes, because I played them with my friends. Like <laughs> the same way you go out and go to the bars and drink with your friends. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't get <laughs> understand the fucking problem. You, you ignorant bigot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't understand that it's really kind of a 
staple of communication, especially during COVID uh, when people were isolated for so long. Um, and I, and I agree that there, people should recognize like the value beyond just the monetary gain. Uh, I think it's a very quick and easy way to like, uh, to kind of get legitimacy is like, if it can pay the bills, then like, then shit, all right, go ahead, do what you want. But um, so I, I think kind of like Javon mentioned earlier is like that that's a good way to kind of get in the door and be like, there are people who do this for a living. That's ex- an example of just how popular and widespread this is. And so even if it's like, I'm not making money from streaming, the fact that there are like a hundred thousand people watching XQC every week, for instance, uh, that shows that, I mean, I'm not saying XQC is like a paragon of what we should aim toward, but just as an example, um, the, that kind of shows that, Hey, this isn't like this oddball. I'm a degenerate, like just uh, not living my life, but it's really commonly accepted and popular kind of mainstream quote unquote form of activity and uh, hobby at this point. Right. But just since the overall concept of this is to discuss about like, you know, talking about games to non-gamers, I'm just saying that it's like more so to clarify on the point that it's something to make note of that don't let the conversation end there because then that places the emphasis on the monetization aspect like yeah you know, i agree that it's a definitely a good way to get in the door and establish the legitimacy but i feel like often times when people try to say like oh why are games you know a great thing or whatever they drop the whole we make so much money in these avenues aspect and then be, leave it as like ha see games are amazing and then leave it at that and it's like there's so much more to this like why are you making that our core argument for why games have value like <laughs> use right. that to show that like Yes, like again, like show that uh, we're getting in the door by showing us like, yeah, like games have a lot of value shown in a concrete form and measurable format of the fact that we gain all this monetization. But here is why that monetization is even happening in, in, in the first place, like the experiences and everything afterwards, like that are the foundation of this monetization. This is a monetization that you see in the first place. This is why you should be looking at the experiences. That's kind of what I am saying more of like, where the conversation should be going but i feel like everyone just stops at the monetization parts to drive the legitimacy of games in a sense that's again more what i'm kind of arguing no or not arguing but like what i'm trying to say is like yeah you know to be careful of yeah i i agree uh generally so I, th- I think that's definitely useful to keep in mind when kind of having conversations and a lot of times people do acts kind of outwardly hostily as you mentioned like the co-workers like they just see gaming as like inherently negative um i know when i've talked to academics and professors that are involved in the gaming field they um they've shared with me that a lot of times like parents will come up to them and be like do you think it's okay if my if my kid they're like they're in high school and they're spending all their evenings uh, and their weekends, like playing games online with their friends. Do you think that's healthy for them? What, what are the ramifications? And a lot, a lot of times uh, this one professor I talked to, they would always say, all right, well, would you rather your kid be going out and like getting drunk and taking drugs? Like a lot of kids do in their late teen years, or would you rather them be staying at home in a safe environment, having like wholesome fun with their friends uh, over discord? 
it's it's a really wholesome activity and honestly is like if they if they have like a rig or a console already the it's pretty cheap too if you have kind of that base foundational gate of entry if you get past that um it's pretty cost efficient in terms of like playing games on a on a budget as much as i'm trying to argue uh, the point of uh being for video games and why it's good i i, I will say that be careful just be careful because not because uh, while lots of games are wholesome the majority of them are wholesome so a lot of the times the people in those games sometimes aren't wholesome yeah online interactions <laughs> you can they can go into the sewage real quick but yeah and also some and also some games are just also inherently not as wholesome i mean look man i don't know about you but uh Sladnesh does not seem wholesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah total war warhammer um it what i'm trying to say is like it's not deconstructive toward their life versus if uh I don't know, you're, I mean, there's a lot of people that, there's a lot of dangerous situations that if kids are bored that they can get themselves into, but if they're in their bedroom, that's generally like a safer environment for people to be in. Yeah, but also not to glorify gaming, to uh, just to also be, you know, conscious about it, that games are safer most of the time, but at this, but they are at the same time risky in their own ways you know just because i don't want to put this like giant halo and uh, like and like you know put gaming on like this golden pedestal kind of thing i just like realistically gaming is generally pretty safe but with anything if you watch too much tv if you play too much basketball if you drink too much water it can be bad for you there are limits with anything so Sometimes that seems obvious, but at the same time, I think it's something that needs to be said outright. You know, gaming, yeah. we, we want it to be viewed in a positive light, but it, it, it's again, just, you know, like with the things like the loot boxes and everything, that's a dangerous avenue games can go down. So being realistic about it, right? Like just playing the game in and of itself and having fun with it, that's fine. It's usually what's happening. But if you let something like the loot boxes start taking over, and getting too involved in that that's like you know then maybe your kid should step away from the game a bit because you know it's not necessarily the game but it's just no or maybe it's like it's a little bit of like hey their experience with the game and this obsession with the game is now inviting them to go down this other really bad avenue so it's just like be careful of that because that is a possibility and so again not not to to like not put games on a pedestal there are extremes but in the, you know, majority of cases, if your kid just playing video games for like an hour or two a day, or like they're stuck in the pandemic and their way of hanging out with their friends is being online, playing with them because they can't go out and meet them for like, you know, Starbucks or whatever, or, you know, or in my case, it would be Bulba. But still, um, if, you know, when they can't do that and they're playing video games, yeah. and they're just interacting with their friends and having fun that way. And they're not, you know smashing their keyboard or screaming every which way it's fine let them be yeah and i i'm, I'm glad you do mention that as a caveat because um it, it is a hobby that like can be addictive and people it, it video game addiction is real and possible 
um, a lot of times the marker of like, when, when is this a problem arises when you see uh, gaming really interfering with kind of like other core life activities. So wanting to, if it's like a Friday evening, they got nothing planned. They want to grind out a game like League of Legends rankings, or they want to play Elden Ring for eight hours on release or something uh, doing like some of that, like that's not, single behavior is not like indicative of being too addicted to something but if it really starts inhibiting other life areas like maybe they're uh sacrificing their life functions like skipping meals not getting enough sleep uh having overly obsessive thoughts so they they can't really articulate or be engaged in conversation around it it's dominating a lot of their thought process it's it's creating conflict in the relationships they have in their life with like other skipping work yeah, if it's really interfering with a lot of that really core life stuff, that's when you start getting into the territory of addiction. And if some every now and then, like one or two of these things might pop up. But if it's like a consistent, a lot of these are being kind of like infringed upon. That's that's really when maybe you should take a look and say, like, have a conversation about like, hey, is this really a healthy relationship you have to this hobby at this point? Right. And again. That's more of an issue with the addiction itself. Again, gaming is just one of those things that can become addictive or a tattoo yeah. that can be bad. Because again, with anything, right? If, if someone's addicted to, you know, in a sense, like you could be in, you can kind of end up being addicted to basketball, quote unquote. Like if all you do is play basketball, you don't like do anything else. Yeah. Then that's kind of problematic. So it's more to just make that comparison of how games can be similar in that respect. Yeah, and whenever, like, these topics are brought up with, like, in psychology, in, in, like, talking to a therapist or something, it's always in the context of, like, okay, this behavior is happening. What are the actual negative, like, repercussions for this? Is this something that really needs to change, or is it just kind of an arbitrary, like, behavioral choice? Um, but, yeah, and like you say, that, that can happen with any kind of activity. If it's, like, causing obsessive thought cycles and, like, really interfering with that. But um, I think we've covered a good amount of topics and kind of how to approach this situation overall. Were there any other thoughts that you guys had or things that you wanted to mention when discussing gaming with non-gamers? If you're a non-gamer, at the very minimum, please learn the difference between a single-player game and a multiplayer game. The former can be paused. The latter cannot. <laughs> Please. You can't, you can't pause an online game, Mom. Actually, do you know how many years it took me to get my mother to understand it? <laughs> she finally did, thank goodness, but still. Holy yeah. I, I mean, when I was uh, going through high school, I also had those debates. And then my parents, I would always be like late for dinner. I'm like, I'm in a League of Legends game. I can't get off. And then so then they're just like, okay, well then stop playing League of Legends games if you know we're about to have dinner. And I'm like, oh. I yeah, I guess that that, that could work. <laughs> uh, I just think that honestly, I think I'm, I'm thinking of Sesame Street, where uh, today's letter is brought to you by the letter C for communication. I think <laughs> I think that's uh, kind of what I've been arriving at uh, throughout this conversation, in in which you know, like though folks can be from different worlds you can always at least attempt to have earnest honest and respectful conversations um to at least have common ground 
uh, to to understand each other's point of view as best as possible. And though you may not necessarily agree with everything, you don't honestly have to, but you can have respect. Um, and I th- and lastly, I think that yeah, if you are if you're a gamer and you're trying to get someone who is a non-gamer to understand, then maybe that is a, I would say, kind of like the proverbial olive branch in which to present them with some gaming alternatives. Uh, I know for a fact that the Entertainment Software Association releases these reports year after year, and we just keep seeing uh, the amount of 50, 55 and up age demographic play more and more games. But are they playing games like an Elden Ring or something like that? Probably not, right? But they're playing other games like your your Wii Sports games, right? Where it's very mm-hmm. low stakes, doesn't require as much mechanical skill, yet there are some basic things that you need to do um, in order to accomplish whatever the goal is, right? So like playing Wii Bowling is definitely inviting. And also there's this relationship with family. Right. So so I can play this game and have fun with like my family at the exact same time. Right. Because like the concept of bowling is something that people are aware of. But if you can just show them, okay, how can I bowl with this controller through like this TV screen of, you know, then that will take some mechanical skill. Uh, but at least the the barrier to entry is pretty low. You don't have yeah. They don't they have to learn the rules, <laughs> right? They don't have to like learn all these other rules like that. Like the rules they are already aware of because of something that they've been exposed to beforehand, right? So if you can find those games where you don't necessarily need to teach them like all these different rules, um, then that's a way to basically get non gamers to at least understand your world a bit i mean you mentioned wordle earlier i mean what is wordle beyond like a, a crossword puzzle you see what I'm <laughs> like that yeah. that's what it is right the rule is just that you got five words i mean five you, you can only choose like five letter words and you only have but so many times uh to get to get the word itself that you're trying to seek but it's essentially a crossword puzzle like that in and of itself is not new Right. But the presentation to it, the way that people are interacting with it, that I mean, that's kind of like the innovation. But it's a series of things together that make that innovation. So, yeah. So that's that's what I have to to think about and what I have to say. Yeah. And I I think uh, Wii Sports is a great intro game. Um, I I would also really recommend the Jackbox Party Packs on Steam. Mm -hmm. They are easily accessible in that you just get your phone and tell them to go to a website and it's all just kind of typing answers to enter into um, like different word prompts and little jokes and stuff. So I definitely like those ideas. But in any case, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, this is Reza, a.k.a. Sprint Speed. I'm Javon, a.k.a. Jay Stoney. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. Hysteric. And thanks for listening. Talk to you all later. I got today's wordle. Hell yeah! Oh, I've not done it yet.